Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is John Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. And welcome to yet another episode of The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. How is everybody doing? I hope that you're having a great day. Just a reminder that you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key out of Noonan, Georgia. And we are brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar and Grill, Go Jump and Slide Inflatables, and Backwoods Barbecue. And on the show today, I'm excited about this guest. I've been wanting to meet this guy for a long time. I've heard nothing but great things about him. His name is Jonathan Shusky. You might know him as Buckets. Welcome to the show. Appreciate it, man. I, I know we've, we've been talking about getting together and doing this for a while, and, and it seems like I've had something going on pretty much all summer. And so it's good to have a day that I could finally sit down and talk to you a little bit. For those of you that don't know, Jonathan plays collegiate golf for Stephen F. Austin University. And uh, he's been sharing his scores. Man, you're, you're a lot better than me. I mean, you've been getting some really good scores. I mean, obviously you love golf. Where did that love start? I've, I've had a lot of good scores uh, recently and, and over the over the summer. It's just too bad that none of them have been during tournaments I've played. I haven't played very well in, in some events. But the love for golf started, it was, it was probably, I was, you know, maybe 12 years old uh, when I first started playing a little bit. And and really, it, it was two things that really kind of got me fired up about golf. Number one was I had some friends that that played, and, and a couple of guys that you know I went to church with on Sundays or whatever that played in in the afternoons after church, and and I wanted to play with those guys and kind of be a part of the group. And the other thing was I remember watching Tiger Woods around that same time frame, and he was at that time. He was playing in the like the U.S. the Junior Am and and then obviously won the the U.S. Am three times in a row and I, it, it was really I guess when I really decided like man I really love this game was watching him uh, during those U.S. Am performances and I remember thinking to myself that like golf to me had always kind of been the sport that was for for older people and it was kind of boring or whatever. And I just remember the energy that he brought to the golf course and, and when he played and, and the way he reacted to, to hitting good shots and the fist pumps and, and all that stuff. And, and the way it got crowds fired up, it kind of got me fired up about the game too. So I'm a huge Tiger Woods fan. I always have been. And, and it's really like just watching him at an early age and, and kind of growing up, you know, really kind of at the same time he was in golf. It just it, it made me fall in love with the game watching him play. And not only are you a collegiate golfer, you are also a fellow broadcaster, got your start in Columbus, and also served your country 20 years in the United States Army. Thank you for your service. Uh, were you ever stationed at Fort Benning? Is that how you found your way to Columbus? Yeah, so I, I was stationed here at Fort Benning. We got here um, in December of 2013, and then we ended up actually staying here through uh, last summer when I retired. 
And so my family still lives here. I actually live here. I'm like, I'm, I'm in Columbus here now, uh, during the summer, uh, you know, before I go back to school, but it's funny, man, Columbus is, uh, I've worn a lot of different hats since I've lived here in Columbus, whether it was, you know, the army stuff. And, and while I was in the army here, like I served as an instructor here at Fort Benning for a while, helped stand up the first SFAB, which is the, the advisory unit and deployed with them in 2018. Uh, then went back to the instructor side for the, you know, like that last year and a half before I retired. But it also afforded me the chance to do the broadcasting stuff. Like I did the press box with Bobby Z here uh, on the local ESPN affiliate for, uh, you know, a couple of years and did some podcasting with a couple of other guys that are podcasting around here. And while all that was going on, was still playing golf and played on the all army golf team. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I've had the chance to do a lot of really cool stuff. I think, you know, a lot of times, you know, people ask me, you know, are you glad that 20 years in the army is over? And part of me is, I mean, you're, you're glad to be done with that. And I don't, I don't have to go back to Afghanistan and get shot at anymore. But the one thing I'll say is like, I wouldn't trade any of that stuff because I met so many people uh, and got to do so many incredible things in that time in the army that I, I, I wouldn't have been able to do any of that stuff otherwise. So yeah, being able to do the broadcasting stuff and the golf stuff and, I mean, heck, even, you know, when I was at, I was at Fort Campbell before that, spent time in Hawaii and, and like I played in a couple of like cover bands and stuff when I did. So like, I've done a lot of cool stuff and met a lot of cool people and, and had a lot of really cool opportunities. And now on top of all that, you know, with the GI bill and all that stuff, I, you know, I'm going back to school and just, it just so happens that since I joined the army, now I have eligible, I still have all my eligibility left. And so I can play college golf. And, um, to be able to do that at 40 years old is, is, is pretty remarkable. So, yeah, I mean, it's been, uh, it's been cool being here in Columbus and, and a lot of good things have happened for us since we've been here. My family loves it here. And, and, um, and honestly, we'll probably try to stick around here as long as we can. Oh, absolutely. And I've heard nothing but great things about you from fellow broadcasters. And just looking at your resume, it's very impressive. First of all, at age 40, to be in physical shape to play golf, the game you love, at the collegiate level, and to have NCAA eligibility, that's got to be fun. But Do you experience the college life at Stephen F. Austin? Uh, do you get to be in the dorms and hang out with the with with people half our age. Well, I haven't actually been to Stephen F. Austin yet. I'm, I'm transferring there in the fall, so I, I started last fall. Uh, I was in Memphis at a Division two school, uh, Christian Brothers University. And oh so yeah, I played I've, my, I've heard of that. I, I played my first year there, but the the college experience was 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 it was different for me. I'll say that um, there were a lot of times that you know, like the, with the guys on the team or whatever that we hung out, you know, and. And on the weekends, I would go and, and hang out and, 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 you know, listen to music or, or whatever. And, and the guys that were of age, you know, we'd, we'd sit back in the apartment and, and have a couple of beers or whatever. I didn't do any partying. I wasn't, you know, pledging, you know, to a fraternity or anything crazy like that. But, but it was neat. Like, I, I went to basketball games and went to some of the other sporting events and stuff. And, and I'm sure that when I get to Texas and get to Stephen F. Austin here in a couple of weeks, it'll be the same thing. You know, they've, and, and the cool thing is that they play uh, the, the football team is uh, they play FCS and then everybody else is 
Division One, and so it'll be neat being able to go to football games and stuff in the fall. And 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 the basketball team there really good as well. Like they they knocked off Duke a couple of years ago at Cameron, and and they've had a lot of success. And and I enjoy that part of it. I'm I'm a sports fanatic, and I always have been. So so being in a place where I get to play collegiate golf and and do that stuff, and then also like I get to go to football games and basketball games and do all that stuff. And it's fun for me. I I tell folks, you know, while everybody that I grew up with was getting their college experience, I was joining the army and, and, and deploying and doing that stuff. So I'm kind of getting my college experience now doing it at 40 and, and, and even at 40 years old for me, I'm still kind of a kid at heart. So getting to go to football games and basketball games and, and all that kind of stuff. And, it's really neat, and it's a it's been a cool experience. I'm I'm looking forward to getting out there and uh, and and seeing what life's like out in Nacogdoches, Texas. Now you call Columbus, Georgia, home, but where is your original home? I'm originally from a little place called Thomasville, North Carolina, which is like maybe 15 or so minutes from Winston Salem, North Carolina. And I, I tell folks, you know, Thomasville isn't really famous for a whole heck of a lot, but they they make a lot of furniture there. And if you go through your house, you've probably got a piece of furniture somewhere in your house that was made in Thomasville, North Carolina. But grew up there, uh, lived there, you know, went, went to high school there and, and, and was there until I joined the Army back in 2001. Um, all my family, you know, mom and, and grandparents and aunts and everybody else, they all still live there in and around that area. And I, I get a chance to go back and visit from time to time. Like, I, it's fun to go back and kind of I actually went back uh, a little earlier in the summer and got to play a couple of the courses that I, you know, kind of grew up playing on and stuff. And it's fun to go back and, and see those courses again, you know, 20 years later and stuff like that. But, uh, but yeah, I grew up in North Carolina and, um, and, and then joined the Army, and I've kind of gotten to see a lot of the world since then. All right, let's talk about your military career. You entered the Army in 2001. What was your MOS? I was 11 Bravo. Uh, infantry. Oh, and how many times did you deploy? Five, five deployments. Wow. <laughs> you got me beat by three. Uh, <laughs> thank you for your service, by the way. I know that you take a lot from your military career. Uh, but what was one of the most challenging things you had to do in the military? I mean, there's the obvious challenges of, you know, being forward deployed and, and, and being in combat situations. But one of the things that I take away from the military that I use even now and, and use it, you know, even during a round of golf or whatever in, in the military, when we plan operations, you know, when we're employed and, and in those combat environments, we talk a lot about contingencies and, and, and the way we plan missions and plan those operations, we, we never really plan for everything to go right. It's just not, we understand that that's, it's very rarely, if ever, going to happen that way. And so we constantly plan for what could go wrong and how are we going to react to what can go wrong. And I, I do the same thing in golf and in life. Uh, with everything that I do, I, I, I always see those contingencies. And, okay, if, you know, if, if we don't get off to a good start in this round or this tournament or whatever, what are we going to do to bounce back from that? And how do we, how do we come back from that? And I think that's important in, in really everything in life, because, I mean, with no matter what you're doing, you can you can 
you probably got experience in this too. Like n- nothing really ever goes according to your best laid plans. It's probably the most valuable thing that I took from the military is just planning for those worst case scenarios and, and making sure that you're ready for a little bit of everything. Well, Fort Benning got you to Columbus. It had a great opportunity just to do broadcasting on the side because, you know, I, I actually look at myself and I look at, your situation and we're very similar except i can't play golf i'm doing the broadcasting thing on the side i have a full-time job in the military you were able to have that opportunity but uh, you said that you just love sports and and what is your most favorite thing about uh, sports broadcasting and what are some of the things that you have done in your broadcasting career well the the thing that i enjoyed the most uh, the, I, I really didn't have any experience whatsoever in in broadcasting and, and, I, and I listened to the show here in Columbus for, you know, basically from the time that we moved here. And, you know, I'm like everybody else. I watched ESPN and all the talk shows and stuff like that. And and when I got the opportunity to do that and to co-host that show, uh, my favorite thing about it was the live interaction and, and doing, a, a, doing a call-in show. And, and I think that's one of the things that in, in broadcasting today is almost a lost art. I mean, we watch those guys on those, you know, on those big networks and Colin Cowherd and or whoever, like those, those guys very rarely have those live interactions with their viewers or with their listeners. And it's it, to me, it was always easy when we knew we had an interview with somebody like that's all kind of pre-done. You've got your questions all lined up and ready to go and and you feel like generally you've got a pretty good idea of what the person on the other end is going to say. But when you've got a caller that calls in and wants to talk about whatever topic is the topic of the day, you have no idea what their take is going to be and, and how they're going to spin it. And, 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 to, and so to kind of get into those debates and stuff on air and, and kind of have to fly by the seat of your pants a little bit, I always thought that part was fun. Um, I, I think it's it's a challenge, and I think it takes a different kind of person to be able to to do that and shoot from the hip a little bit. Um, and, and like I said, I think it's just a lost art in broadcasting today. I don't I don't think you there aren't a whole lot of those, you know, the call in shows that are that are going on. I know, like you got Paul Feinbaum, but even those callers generally are are the same people week after week, and it's even that stuff is kind of scripted at this point. So. That, that part was always really fun to me was that 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 engagement with the listener and, and kind of getting their take and and having having those, you know, those good, lively debates on air. Now, being from the South, we have SEC media days that happened a couple of weeks ago. We're getting ready for college football. You got a favorite college football team? So I, I grew up a big Michigan fan. And, and folks always ask me, like, how do you end up being a Michigan fan living in the middle of North Carolina? And it's, you know, when I was growing up, you only had a couple of stations on, on TV, you know, back in the, in the eighties, late eighties, early nineties. Uh, it wasn't like today where there were 25 games on TV that you could take your pick from. And, um, and so where I grew up, you, you had options. You could watch CBS, which is where all the, you know, the SEC teams or, or whoever were playing. Uh, you could watch NBC, which normally carried Notre Dame and, and still do to this day. And then there was your like ABC and, 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 that usually for us in that market, no, nobody really cared about ACC football when I was growing up. Like it wasn't a big deal, and so we got a lot of Michigan games there. And I, I grew up in the middle of North Carolina watching Michigan games as a kid, and um, and, and grew up watching you know Desmond Howard and and 
Charles Woodson and Tom Brady, you know, toward the kind of the end there of, of, you know, when I was a, a teenager or whatever. And I grew up watching all those, those great players come through Michigan. And, and so I've been a big Michigan fan ever since. And, and I've, I take some heat, you know, from some of my North Carolina friends, especially during basketball season. Um, Cause you know, everybody I grew up with, they're Duke fans or North Carolina fans or whatever. And, and Michigan doesn't have a great history with either of those teams when it comes to basketball. And so, of course uh, not. So yeah, I, I grew up a big Michigan fan there, and and was kind of the outcast, I guess, uh, amongst all my friends and people. But but I, I love Michigan, man. I, I my my actually my, my wife and I met while we were both stationed in Hawaii, and she's actually from Michigan. And so, uh, I you know we go up there to visit her family from time to time, and so I, I get to go up there and spend some time and. And I've, I've had the chance to go up there for some games, got to actually in 2011, got to attend the first night game at the big house, you know, when they played Notre Dame and that spectacular finish and Denard Robinson and those guys. And, um, it, it's, it, I've had a lot of cool experiences watching them. And then just as recent as 2019, uh, me and a, a, a buddy of mine that I, that I met here in Columbus through broadcasting, Josh Pate, we went down for the Verbo Citrus Bowl and watched Michigan and Alabama and, and and kind of got to be behind the scenes at that one and had the media credentials and and all that stuff. So it was it, that was pretty cool. It's I, I, but yeah, I've been a Michigan fan my whole life, root for them and everything. And I don't I don't know how that's going to work now with me being at Stephen F. Austin. I, I I guess I'll probably just root for both. And if they play each other, then it'll be uh, it'll be Axum Jacks. It's okay. Stephen F. Austin is an FCS school. You're allowed to well, root they, for. Well, <laughs> they, they, they could still end up playing each other in the NCAA tournament, and that's a. Oh yeah, in know, basketball that, definitely. Yeah, could 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 end up being a, a quite the predicament for me. Now you mentioned you're a Michigan fan. Obviously, football and basketball. I didn't want to bring up painful memories of the 1992 championship game against Duke, and then the following year, the 93 championship game against North Carolina. But I was a big fan of the Fab Five. Uh, it was very painful. Just the Chris Weber timeout. I know I'm bringing up a lot of bad memories for you. Yeah, it was. I, I, I tell people all the time the the Fab Five is, in my opinion, they're they're the greatest college basketball team to never win a national championship, and, and I'll argue that with anybody. Yeah, that's a, actually a great pick. Um, I, I mean, some honorable mentions. I think the 1991 UNLV running Rebels. I think the 2005 Illinois Fighting Illini. But yeah, you're right. The well, Fab I mean, Five. They, well, you think about UNLV; they won it the year before in they 1990. Did. I, I uh, thought the '91 team was better, though. I, I, I will say this: I, I think if if I were going to pick a team that I think I would give the honorable mention to, I think it would probably be that Kentucky team in 2015 that lost to Wisconsin. You are right. The yes, the one with Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker. That yeah, was I, a I, stacked team. I think that would probably be my runner-up. But man, you think about that that Michigan team with the Fab Five. That was. I, I just I just don't know I, I don't know that you're going to find a team that was that was especially the the they were billed as being the team man like when they put that team together and they ran they ran those freshmen out on the floor with the the black socks and the the baggy shorts and all that um, there there was a lot of expectation for that for that team for those couple of years and for them to not be able to put it all together was was I think I still think it's one of the biggest disappointments in college basketball history. Absolutely. And Michigan has gotten close in this last decade, you know, losing to Villanova in the championship. And then I hope that Michigan can get a championship. That would be great for them. And as in football. I, I oh, was, you forgot the most painful one. The, the most painful one for I did. me was uh, Louisville. 
Yeah, I, I think it was Louisville. I think it was Louisville. That, they, you know, the championship I, that got vacated in 2013. Well, yeah, and I mean, Michigan led that game in the first half by like 20 points at one point, and they end up losing that ball game. And that was, uh, I mean, Spike Albrecht went out and played the game of his life, and, and they lose somehow. And it was Oh, uh, I, I want to say that Final Four was in Atlanta. Yeah, the, the the now the one against Villanova that one didn't hurt so bad because that one that one didn't feel close at all. So that one wasn't wasn't too painful. I could turn that one off pretty early. <laughs> yeah, but that's great that you're a Michigan fan. I'm, I'm from California, so college football doesn't really exist in California unless you went to the school. But here in Columbus, we really talk about just three teams, and that's Georgia, Alabama, and Auburn. Right now, Georgia and Alabama are on a collision course to meet once again in the SEC championship. And I really don't think there's any other team that's close. Do you have a favorite SEC team? Well, I don't. I don't know if I have a favorite SEC team, but I, I'll say this: I, I'm I'm probably a little bit partial to Alabama, and and, and the simple fact is, I, I it's because of Nick Saban. It's you can listen to Auburn fans or Georgia fans or people from all over the country talk about Nick Saban. And you would think that this guy's only won national championships because they they pay players or they cheat or whatever the case is. And the fact of the matter is really it just boils down to Nick Saban is the best college football coach in the history of the game. And the way the guy approaches the game, the way he approaches his process, and, and, and the way he's been able to adapt to the game over the past decade, decade and a half, is just incredible. Um I, I love the way he coaches the game. I, I you know, and, and I know he. There are times in the media that he says stuff that, you know, folks might think that he's whining or whatever. But my take on Nick Saban, you know, when he's talked about things like the the hurry up offenses and stuff like that, or when he's when he's talked about the transfer portal or NIL or any of that stuff, and it's not because they win a national championship every other year. It feels like. I mean, although that, I guess that's part of it, and it's because of Nick Saban and. I think he gets a bad rap with people outside of Alabama that don't really understand that Nick Saban, it's a lot of people view him as a win at all costs guy. And that's not it. Nick Saban is a process guy. And so when you see Nick Saban angry on the sideline or upset after a loss, uh, it's generally because the guys on his team aren't buying into that process. And it's a proven process. And the guys obviously, He's, he's won more national championships than, I mean, than any other. Uh, you could probably put any two coaches in football together right now, and, and, and they're not getting to Nick Saban. So it's it, I, I love the way he approaches that process and, and the way he approaches coaching his team, uh, the, the way he's adapted to the game of football uh, at the college level and then how it's changed over the past decade or decade and a half. I mean, you think back to, you know, when Auburn and a lot of those teams started going to the, the hurry up offense and the no huddle stuff, uh, what did Nick Saban do? He, he adapted and his offenses, he, he goes out and hires Lane Kiffin and they start playing that brand of football. Uh, his defense has changed dramatically. You know, the guys that, the guys that he was recruiting to play safety when he first got to Alabama those guys were transitioning. Like he, he could, he knew he couldn't run two hundred and fifty pound linebackers out on the field anymore, and so he he started recruiting those, you know, those more athletic guys at those positions, and he adapted to the way that the game was changing. And with stuff like the transfer portal and NIL and all this stuff, when he sends these messages about you know his concern about those things, 
I think a lot of people view it as Nick Saban's whining about something. But at the end of the day, he's just issuing a warning and he's telling you that the University of Alabama, they're going to adapt. They, they've got enough money to, you know, for the NIL stuff and all those things like they're they're never going to be one of the one of the have nots. And he's just letting you know that we're going to adapt to this stuff and, and we're going to be better at it than you are. And so I, I, I've just always liked him. I like the way he approaches the, the game and his process and and the way he coaches his guys. And, and, and until he retires, I mean, heck, I'm a Michigan fan. But uh, if you ask me who my favorite coach in college football is, I'd tell you it's Nick Saban and not Jim Harbaugh. Wow, that's pretty interesting. But as a Michigan fan, I, without mentioning those dreaded words, the Ohio State University, I know, I know. How how bad? How much do you hate Ohio State? And I don't get me wrong. I mean, they right now they are one of the favorites to get to the college football playoff. But you know, with Michigan finally beating Ohio State, Jim Harbaugh getting over the hump and getting a win over the Buckeyes, but yet Ohio State University is hated more than any other team if you're a Michigan fan. Well, I, I know a lot of Michigan fans hate Ohio State. I, I would tell you I don't I don't necessarily hate Ohio State. Now I hate Michigan State. Uh, the the reason that I hate Michigan State is because Michigan State, in in my opinion, I, I don't believe that there that there should be a time that Michigan State and Michigan should be on the same level when it comes to college football. I just don't. I believe Michigan should have a leg up in every category you can possibly think of, where whether it's facilities or or money or whatever the case is. And, and, and I think a lot of Michigan fans would tell you the same, Like we don't view Michigan state, even though we haven't had great success against them, you know, in, in the past 10 or 12 years, we don't view them as an equal, but Ohio state, I don't know that I hate Ohio state. I think I respect them. And, and the reason I say that is because Ohio state is the program in the big 10 that if, if you want to compete for a big 10 championship or a national championship, that's the program that you're looking at and saying, this is the example. Like the, these guys are doing it year in and year out and they're, they're able to compete at the highest level nationally. How, what are we doing and, and how are we, how are we changing our program to get to that? And so, you know, for, for Michigan to go out and beat Ohio state last year, I don't, I don't think it means that Michigan is, is the new, you know, kind of the big dog on the block or whatever in the big 10, but I do think that it means that Michigan is they're, – they're taking the right steps and doing the things to, to get them to a level where they're going to be able to compete with Ohio State year in and year out rather than that rivalry being a, a laughable game every year. I don't know that I hate Ohio State. I, don't get me wrong. Like That last Saturday in, in November, I'm not a fan of them by any stretch of the imagination, but I respect Ohio State. I, I respect what they've built there and – and, and and honestly, I sit back and envy them a lot of times, and and wish that the the team that I'm rooting for, I, I wish we were building it the same way they are. Buckets, I really appreciated just you taking the time out of your busy day and talking sports with me. Good luck in the the fall as you get ready to get on the golf course and play for Stephen F. Austin Golf, and and that's going to be a lot of fun. And again, just uh, thank you so much just for being a guest on the show. I appreciate you having me on and Axum Jacks. Absolutely. That was Jonathan Shusky, collegiate golfer for Stephen F. Austin. A lot of people in Columbus in the broadcasting world know him as Buckets, and uh, he was a great guest, and he was able to just spread his sports knowledge. And, and I know you uh, 
definitely want to get back into broadcasting. Uh, if you ever uh, have an opportunity, I know Columbus is considered your home and, and I think it's just a great market and, and you definitely are uh, one of the most memorable uh, broadcasting personalities here in the Fountain City. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to another episode of the podcast. I hope that everybody has a great rest of your day, and I will talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been The Sports Beat, with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.